Have you ever experienced something so crippling in your life that has made you feel broken? I have. Are you someone who has a giving heart but is struggling to feel good themselves? Are you consistently putting your needs aside to take care of everyone else? If so, you're not alone. Giving starts with giving to yourself so that you are able to give of yourself to other people. Isn't it time you took back control and discovered what makes you tick? Join me in my journey and find out how you can feel better about yourself, live your best life, and share that with others. Thinking of yourself, it doesn't make you selfish. It makes you brave. I'm Nelia, and this is the Giving Starts With You podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Giving Starts With You podcast. I am so happy that you've joined us here for another another episode. Today, I have a very special um, entrepreneur, very special lady on. Her name is Michelle Tillis Letterman. Welcome to the show. How are you? Thanks for having me on. It's an honor to have you on, actually. Thank you for coming. So, um, Michelle, where are you uh, speaking to us from today? Jersey, baby. <laughs> <laughs> We've had some uh, people on from Jersey. They're amazing. I've got some family out there too. So that's awesome. It's the only thing that you don't have to have the new, you, you just say Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, right? I love, I love the people down there. I love it. Just to tell everybody a little bit about you, uh, Michelle Tillis is one of Forbes top 25 networking experts. She's the author of four books, including the internationally known The 11 Laws of Likeability and her latest, The Connector's Advantage. Michelle is a connection creator and CEO of Executive Essentials, which provides customized communications and leadership programs for Fortune 500, nonprofit, university and government clients. A former finance executive and NYU professor, Michelle is a regular in the media, appearing on NBC, CBS, Fox, NPR, The Wall Street Journal, New York Times, CNBC, and others. Michelle is known for helping people work better together and advance their individual impact. I love that. Thank you. Thank you. You know, just to start, tell us just a little bit about yourself and and why you wanted to come on the show. Uh, you, your title got me. Anytime <laughs> you're talking about giving, it is um, talking to my heart. And so, uh, you know, I, I get asked to do a lot of shows and um, I, I always say, well, tell me about the mission of the show, uh, you know, to make sure I'm a fit, you know, because you're not always a fit, but this, I was a fit. Um, <laughs> so about me, I am a travel and adrenaline junkie. I'm an animal lover. Um, and, and typically those things go hand in hand because when I travel, I like to do something a little cray cray and have an animal experience as well. So whether it is bottle feeding a Siberian tiger, uh, scuba diving with sharks, jumping out of a plane, um, hugging a sloth, which I think oh. they get the best hugs <laughs> in the world. Um, and remind me if you, I gave you my, my link to my Facebook page. Um, there's an app, there's an album on my professional Facebook page called me and the animals. And you can see all of those pictures. Oh, I would love to sloth is my favorite animal. I love the sloth. Wow, you too that... can hug a sloth in Honduras. <laughs> oh, next place on my list. Then I love it. Love it. We just went and did a mission trip out in Guatemala with my family. We opened a, um, 
we created a music program down there. So Honduras is not that far. So we next time we, next time we go down, honestly, wow, sloths. I'm I'm so jealous now that what once you said that, but I'll definitely look at the pictures. So yes, um, so the books that you've written, um, I hear they've done very very well. I've actually written four, but the two okay. that are really up in the kind of content for your audience is the Eleven Laws of Likeability, which is in 12 languages. I guess the whole world wants to learn how to be likable. Wow. Uh, <laughs> That's great. 12 languages. Phenomenal. Yeah. And the Connections Vantage, which has already gone international, I think we're in about three languages already. Um, and that's a follow up to the book. So, um, you know, when you talk about giving, one of the laws of likability is the law of giving. And one of the mindsets of a connector is the spirit of generosity. So, you know, I'm your people. <laughs> I love that. Do you have it in Portuguese, the laws of likability? Um, it is in Spanish. I'm looking at the wall of the different languages. There's a lot of um, Asian languages. It's in Thai, Japanese, Chinese, um, Russian, Spanish, French. Okay, so the Spanish. Okay. Yeah, it is in Spanish, but I don't know if it's in Portuguese. Well, that's okay. I was just asking because my mom might like to read it, actually, <laughs> in addition to it me. Actually, but... It was a bestseller in Spanish. So. Oh, very nice. Very nice. So what made you want to start writing like it, it, about the subject? What was it about giving that really um, that you're passionate about? Well, it's interesting. When I asked you about your audience, you talked about the, um, you know, the, your story. And my story is that I was a pretty polarizing person. Uh, you know, growing up, people had a very strong reaction to me. You know, in high school, there were people who were really mean and nasty, like everybody, you know, and, and I had my group of friends who loved me. And it, it seemed that I didn't have a lot of middle ground. And I wanted to understand what the hell I was doing to cause that kind of reaction. And so that's where my research started was around understanding likability and, um, what do we do before, during, and after a conversation to enable a connection? Um, you know, and so that's kind of where it started. And I went from being the kind of chip on the shoulder, angry young woman um, to recognizing that, um, you know, these mindsets that we can embody, uh, you know, let me explain one thing. A connector is simply somebody who prioritizes relationships, okay? Um, and, you know, when we think about being a connector, it doesn't matter what it is you're doing or what it is you're working on, the advantage of being a connector is going to be faster, easier, better results. But those results could be your health and those results can be your happiness. And there's actually data that backs up that those relationships will contribute to those goals. I love that. And I can so resonate with what you said at the beginning of that with, with trying to... Um be likable and go from, you know, I was this angry teenager who then became um, more interested in figuring out why are people getting turned away from me? Like, I'm a good person. I'm, you know, all these things. And, and it's only now that I'm an adult that I celebrate who I am and, and celebrate my heart and all those things that I was once made fun of or didn't really, people didn't really understand. So, so this is a concept from the connector's advantage is called embrace your inner unicorn. <laughs> I love it. Right? And so we are all unicorns. And there's always been times in our life that we felt like the unicorn. We felt out of place. We felt like the anomaly. And it is to recognize that that is part of our value. That is part of our um, unique charm. And to embrace those aspects of ourselves. And, you know, when I talk about being an inclusive connector, 
right? It's, it's great to diversify and expand your connections because differing opinions and, and differing, different um, people will bring you broader perspective and, and broader access. Um, but it's also about that, you know, connecting with yourself. You always have to start with self. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. Um, not only can we be burnt out and just not able to give, but um, we become very unhappy um, without we live without purpose without every day becomes the same, you know, and we do really need to pay attention to ourselves. Absolutely. Can you explain maybe one or two of the laws of the likability from the book? Sure, I will give you the list of 11 laws. And then you will pick the ones that you want me to talk about. So the book is organized into before, during, and after the conversation. So before the conversation, we have the law of authenticity, the law of self-image, perception, and energy. The conversation starts with curiosity, listening, similarity, and mood memory. And then after the conversation, we have familiarity, giving, and patience. Mm. So why don't we talk about perception? And of course the giving, but there was, I don't know about the ones in between. I think they're all fascinating. Maybe you, <laughs> um, what were the ones in between again? Uh, so in during between perception after perceptions, energy, uh, then we do curiosity, listening, similarity, and mood memory. Let's do similarity. If that's okay. I can do anything you want. And so the likability book is is kind of step one and the connector's advantage is step two okay my brother-in-law came into my office one day and he goes well another networking book i'm like no no this one's not about networking <laughs> he's like well what's the difference between networking and, and the connector and i looked at him and i said and, and and i was just kind of like that's a really good question <laughs> and and my gut response ended up being the last line of the book which is networking is something you do but a connector is who you are talk about these laws of likability these are things that we can do but what i want you to do is elevate to the mindsets of a connector and i'll list those off and you can choose some from there as well <laughs> because then that becomes who you are it's part of your dna and the way in which you interact in all situations it's not a okay now i'm going to flip a switch and go do this thing so um you know so i i do want to make that differentiation so the seven mindsets and you'll hear some overlap, They're, they build on each other. Uh, connectors are open and accepting. They have a clear vision. They come from a place of abundance or believe in abundance, um, which I know is one that, that will spark your interest. Um, connectors trust, they are social and curious, they have a generous spirit and they are conscientious. Not necessarily in that order. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's great. No, I, I would really love to learn a little bit more from you. That's amazing. So where would you like me to start? Uh, perception, maybe, and the abundance, for sure. Absolutely. So I always talk about self-image and perception together because, to me, they're the flip side of the same coin. And how you see yourself is how others are going to see you. And you have to believe you first and you have to like you first before you're able to drive how somebody else is going to see and perceive you. And, and, and so perception is reality. Your perception of you is, is reality and their perception of you is their reality. And um, you know, when we think about shifting perceptions, it is about first getting clear on how you want to be perceived. And I actually have an activity that um, you'll put a link up. Um, I give a whole bunch of things away and this activity is one of the things I give away um, when you join my community. 
um, is the idea that you have three words, right? So right now, all your listeners are thinking about what are my three words? What are the three words I want people to use when they describe me? And I actually do a talk. And at the end of the talk, I say, okay, go ahead, describe me. And then I release my three words and they're like, there was somebody back there typing. I'm like, uh-uh, you know? <laughs> and sometimes I'll even write it on a piece of paper and I'll be like, okay, here's the piece of paper. Tell me what you think. And then I show them my words and they say exactly what I want them to say. Wow. And that's because there's clarity on how I want to be perceived. I know what my brand is. I know what's important to me. And when we think about perception, you need to think about um, how am I infusing the qualities about myself that I want others to see into my interactions. Right? So tell me one word you'd use to describe me just in our few minutes together. Uh, confident. Okay, so that's one of my three words. Is it? <laughs> yeah. um, so the category that if you had said anything like confident, knowledgeable, um, expert, um, you know, anything like that, right? It, and when I think about my words, I think about what I put out to the world, how I interact with people and what I bring to the table. And so you don't want to have words like hardworking and diligent and efficient because they're all the same thing. So I'll share with you, confident was not one of my original words. But as I did this talk again and again, people kept saying that described me as confident. So when you're thinking about your words, get feedback, ask people, what words would they use to describe you? What are your strengths? What are the qualities that are just, oh, that's so you. Right. Mm -hmm. It'd be interesting to hear what they say, because maybe you are putting out the wrong perception, right, of, of who you are. Exactly. And so what's interesting is um, I wasn't trying to be confident. I was trying to be knowledgeable and I was trying to be, you know, an expert in my area, but I wasn't trying to be confident. And yet it kept coming back to me. And so I thought, how do I feel about that? And I was like, you know what? I feel okay. I feel okay. <laughs> I'm like, I, I, can wear, I can wear confidence with confidence. And, and it became one of my words and it, it became something I was willing to embody. And at the same time, I'll do a talk and sometimes I'll get somebody saying, um, uh, intimidating. And that's confidence sometimes a little too far. And, you know, and, and so here's the thing, you're not gonna get them all, right? I have to find that right balance of what confidence feels like for me and understand that sometimes people are going to find that intimidating. Exactly. But we should not change our identity based on other people's perception if it's wrong. Um, I yes. Think. And mm -hmm. Okay. We don't change, but we can flex. Yes. We are who we are. And I really do feel good about being a confident person. That said, I never want to make somebody feel intimidated. Correct. And if I need to tone down that, you know, power body stance or that forceful voice in order for somebody else to feel more comfortable and welcome, I'm willing to do that. Absolutely. That's great. Yes. And so when I talk about flex, I'm talking about the temporary adjustment of your style to allow for somebody else to see what's likable about you. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great. I love that explanation. It's very easy for us to understand. So thank you. You're welcome. What about the um, similarities when you talk so about that? Mm -hmm. About similarity, this is one of the ways in which connection really forms. Um, a lot of times you go to these things and you're like, well, what do you do? And uh, I hate that question so much. And I'll usually be like, well, this <laughs> weekend I'm doing this. Or today I did this. Or here's what I like to do, although I don't get to do it all the time. 
you know? Right. I don't want to have a conversation about work. I can't answer the question, what do you do for work? I, it depends on the day. I don't know. You <laughs> it's tell it's me a very long about. question. Yes. It's too, too hard. Um, so people don't connect on what we do. We connect on what we like to do. We connect on our common interests, our common passions, our common values, our common causes. Um, you know, our common people, our common places, our common experiences. Like, so when we think about similarity, those are the things that we want to discover and uncover about the person we're talking to, rather than what do you do? No, I love that because, you know, if you're more introverted than extroverted, you know, people use those words all the time, um, and you're, you know, you're at a big function, sometimes you can be um, feeling very confused on how to approach the room because it's true. Um because you want to be liked, but you don't want to be fake either, right? So sometimes it's it's tough if you're not comfortable, you know, speaking in front of people or being around people. Introverts actually have an advantage. And, you know, I think introverts sell themselves short sometimes when they're in those large situations because those situations aren't necessarily comfortable. They don't have to do it the way an extrovert does it. They don't have to be the life of the party. They don't have to be a social butterfly. They don't have to work the room. All they need to do is embody the mindset of social and curious, right? So this is one of the mindsets of the connector, social and curious. And all that means is you're willing to put yourself in a situation to be curious about another person and to socialize with one other person. And that is where introverts thrive, right? Introverts are best in the one-on-one. Introverts are not off-putting, right? So me, off-the-scale extrovert, can be a little bit much at times. I can be off-putting. I can have people like literally step back from me. Um, including my now husband when I first met him. <laughs> I come on strong. Um, I, I am a talker, which seems really great to the introvert, but I'm not a great listener. And you know what? It's a really important skill. It's one of the laws of likability is to be able to listen. So understand whether you're an introvert or extrovert, what strengths you bring, where your stretch is. We can always learn from the opposite style of where we need to stretch ourselves. So the introvert, your stretch is to share more. Be willing to not just ask questions, not just take in information, but give some too. And extroverts, obviously, it's to listen more and to allow somebody else the space to speak and to share. Yes, I'm definitely more of an introvert, I think. Um, I'm sorry. It depends on the day. You know, it could be in the middle. <laughs> and I do. It's I an introvert too. Yes. I, I much rather prefer, um, you know, speaking one-on-one or, you know, two-on-one or something like that. But I also find it um, exhausting to have very, very long conversations. So it's kind of, you know, I do have to step back a little bit. Like I can get deep with you know, sharing and things like that quite quickly in a conversation. Um, but you're always like, well, is this person, you know, am I being likable or am I being like, are they kind of like wanting to run away? So it, it's, it's a little bit difficult to be able to pick up on those things sometimes. And, you know, when we think about listening, we can listen with our eyes and our ears, but we can also check. You know, we can ask questions. We can say, you know, hey, you know, you know, do you want to keep chatting or, you know, I don't want to keep you. And you can give people out. You don't have to just stay ahead and guess. No, that's great. Because sometimes I wish people would give me some outs. Like, it just depends, you know, honestly, right? We're all, we're all really different. And I love that you admitted that 
Well, you said that you're not a great listener. That's something that you know about yourself. I think you're a good listener, but you know yourself better than anyone, right? And we can always improve things like that. So I respect that. Oh, absolutely. I, you know, it's funny. I, I teach a course called um, Communicating with Diverse Personalities, right? And so understanding the different styles that people naturally have and what, um, how to interpret some of those ways in which people are, are behaving. Um, and I'm a style that tends to follow the squirrel. I'm a style that's really tangential. You say something and I'll go off on a tangent and I'll go, and I'll go over here. And, and, you know, I'm very sure with consciousness and I get so excited by somebody else says something and then I'll like jump in and I'll say something. And I think we're having this fabulous exchange. And the other person sitting there going, they just cut me off. <laughs> <laughs> and it's something I'm really aware of in a tendency. And so one of the things I will say to somebody is, hey, sometimes I get really excited and you'll say something that sparks an idea. I'm trying really hard not to interrupt. Don't let me. Good for you. I, I tend to interrupt too. And I sometimes will start like that as well. And it's not from a bad place, although it's perceived that way. It's just because it's exciting, right? And you want to kind of get your two cents in. But you're right. That doesn't mean that you're necessarily listening the way you should be listening right so yeah and what happens in those moments where i uh, if i catch myself because sometimes they still won't stop me they'll be like i'm sorry i interrupted they'll be like no no and i'm like no you know don't take that invitation that you just basically you know made them give you yes <laughs> don't let me do it <laughs> don't let me do it and um if you could talk a little bit about the abundance part I was hoping we would get to that one because um, when you, you talked about like the giving concept of your, your show and your, uh, the mission of your, your, your show for your audience was about, you know, have being able to, to live that giving spirit. Um, I think it's really hard to embody a generous spirit when you don't come from a place of abundance. And abundance is really, really hard. I will say it's probably the hardest mindset for me personally. And I have found that when I do talks, I, I do an audience choice thing where okay. uh, you want me to talk about the mindsets, you get to tell me which ones, just like we did, Great. you pick what we're gonna talk about. And they almost always choose abundance because um, the opposite of abundance is scarcity. And scarcity is really tangible. We know it, we feel it, we experience it. Pain is real, right? So my childhood, I had scarcity of finance, right? We didn't have money. We sold the furniture to cover the mortgage. Um, you know, I was wearing the same dress for pictures for three, full, three years. Like if you look at my third, fourth and fifth grade uh, class picture, I'm in the same dress. I didn't grow much, so that helped. Right. Um, <laughs> but there was no new dress every year. I just didn't have it. So a lot of times we make decisions based on an anecdote to something that was scarce in our lives, which I did as well. I am a recovering CPA. I spent 10 years in finance because I was chasing the money and not the mission. Um, you know, and, and they're not mutually exclusive. I'm yes, happy to report. No, I understand. <laughs> but when we come from a place of abundance, um, it is not everything's going to be fabulous. It is Although things aren't great right now, I believe that there's the possibility and even the probability that they will be better and not necessarily just better a little. So for example, when I was in finance, um, I joined a firm where there were no female partners. So female success in a financial firm was a scarce resource. Mm -hmm. The mindset of the one most senior woman was only one woman's going to make it. So I'm going to step on every other woman to get mm -hmm. there. 
Yeah. Nobody wanted to work for her, at least no women. And an abundant mindset would have been, hey, just because there's none there doesn't mean we all can't get there and let's plow through it together. Exactly. And, and so the way in which to start to adopt an abundant mindset is, is um, intentionally, right? Um, things that you can do are don't compare yourself against other people because somebody's always going to have more. Somebody's always going to have less, but you're going to focus on the person who has more and compare yourself against your goals and what you're working on rather than against something external. Um, practice about, uh, practice gratitude. And this for me is the, the simplest way to focus on abundance. Um, throughout the last, you know, God knows how many months of COVID. Yes. Honestly saying, how are you doing? <sighs> and my response is, <sighs> feeling grateful. Right? You know, it doesn't mean it's not hard. It doesn't mean that it's like not exhausting and I don't have to release some of that. But then my immediately I reposition myself and I say, feeling grateful. And I daily count off all the ways I'm grateful and, and fortunate during all of this. You know, my kids are 13 and 14 and thank God I don't, you know, they, they can make themselves breakfast if I'm on a call. They, like, I'm grateful that I have the space to close a door to work and everyone can have a little, I'm like, so it's that idea of reminding yourself all there is to be grateful for. And, and you can do it with your family. You know, my son, my oldest son, he tends to be a little negative. Um, and he's always kind of been a little negative. I'm like, see, how was your day? He'll tell me only about the bad stuff. Mm -hmm. So I used to do highs and lows, but then he would only tell me the bad stuff. So I put a sign in his room and it said, today might not be a good day, but there's good in every day. And so the daily question became where, you know, what was the good you found in today? And that's the idea of practicing a mindset of abundance is focusing on what you have, not what you don't. Yeah, no, I love that because you're also teaching your children. I think that's something that, um, although it's in the back of our mind, not everybody practices that, right? I have a 14 year old. I just have the one, but I have a 14 year old too. And he tends to, you know, there was nothing good about today. Right. So he's doing <laughs> virtual school, missing his friends, all those things. But, um, but on the other side, he's very in tune and very, he's got a very giving heart as well. So I know he's got some stuff. He's just not sharing. Right. <laughs> so it's quite interesting, but I love that you talked about gratitude. I am getting better at doing that. I am not great at it. Um, I'm great at it when I remember to do it. I'm starting to get into the habit of doing it every day because I think it's so important. But that is something that I need to, you know, up my skill with because I need to, you know, constantly remind myself to do it. Um, although I may not list it out, but I am. I know what I'm grateful for. Like, I don't really, you know, I don't really need to think too much about it. Um, and there's so many different ways you can go about it. It doesn't have to be this big, daunting, long task. It's just being mindful about it, finding out what it is. And it doesn't always have to be this big thing. It can be the, it's the little things. So absolutely, yeah, like I've got, I've made a lot of connections um, based from my trip that we did this year um, in Guatemala. And they taught me a lot about that. They taught me a lot about um, being uh, rich without anything, feeling, um, it's like genuinely happy with less, you know, and I respect that so much. So I think that that's huge. If we could just practice that a little bit more, I think that would be beautiful. Absolutely. 
It, it does um, create a sense of serenity. Yes. Yeah. And genuine happiness. Yes. You know, yeah. it's all about, um, and I love electronic things, but it's all about, um, we're losing the connection, you know, the human connection and COVID can be a time where even though we don't see and we can't interact with people, we can still have a human connection. We can still, there's a lot of things that we can do. I actually find that people are um, connected differently, Mm -hmm. but almost more. I mean, I have been more in touch with my business school friends, uh, my college friends, even our neighborhood friends. This Friday night or Saturday night, we're doing a, a virtual game night. Um, we did a virtual trivia night. We we did backyard s'mores with you know four pods, you know six feet apart, but literally in the same Love it. space. So I think it's giving people the the invitation to reconnect and to stay connected. Yes, and when you were talking about similarities, you know, I think we just realized, look, we're all like globally, we're all in the same, you know, same predicament here. You know, we all have a lot in common right now. And COVID didn't, um, it didn't discriminate between race and, and where we live and how much money we have. And, and uh, when you really think about how big it is, it's like all over the world. So yeah, yeah I hear stories of kindness all the time. And then I hear um, stories of people not being so kind too, you know, but I guess it's always going to be like that. But I feel like people are becoming more in tune and more open to listening to other people during kindness COVID. Kindness begets kindness. And what's interesting, and there's research behind this as well, is that when somebody witnesses kindness, they are more likely to do it as well. So it, it's one of the things that actually frustrates me about the media. And I, I do see them doing more of this, like, you know, today's good news or mm. person of the week, or, you know, they, a lot of the news shows will end on something positive, but everything up at that point is negative. Oh yeah. And so the percentage of bad news to good news is very skewed. Um, but the more we see positivity, the more we are likely to um, repeat that positivity. Yes. And a lot of my um, my friends have stopped watching the news because it's just so, you know, they would rather watch five minutes of, you know, some gratitude video on YouTube or like do a meditation for five minutes than watch an hour or you know, of horrible, horrible news. And it doesn't, you walk away feeling stressed, feeling burdened, feeling heavy, feeling all of these things. So yeah, I think we all just need to learn from each other and be more open and, and be more, um, and learn more about abundance. And cause I think you are right. You do, we do understand scarcity a lot more than abundance. We understand it. Most of us have been there. We've done it. And it's real. So the laws of likability, what would you say, I haven't read your book, so I will read it, but I haven't read it yet. Um, But what would you say people worry about the most about why they're not liked? Why are people not gravitating to them? Is there a commonality that you find uh, more people worry about than other things? It's an interesting question. It was not part of my research, so I don't necessarily have an answer to that question. You know, I think people focus more on trying to make people like them than worrying about why they're not likable. Mm. Um, They tend to look outward rather than inward. And one of the things I kind of say right off the start is that you can't make anybody like you. 
and you can simply enable them to see what's likable about you. And that's about that flex that we talked about and that, that clarity and that authenticity and, and that openness, but you can't make anybody like you. And, and that's really more of what I hear from people is um, that and, well, you're telling me to be myself and I'm a jerk. So. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. And you can't, you know, you can't make everybody like you anyways. Why would you want to? Because everybody's so different. And that would just mean that you weren't your authentic self. You'd have to be so many different people to please everybody. Like, it's just not yeah, real. There's um, a habit, and I'm going to see if I can find it. Um, there's a habit, here it is, that, um, so I do a lot of executive coaching, and um, I'm one of the Marshall Goldsmith 100 coaches. So um, he has uh, this list of the 20 unrecognizable habits. And what you made me think of was an one of the, the 20th habit is this, an excessive need to be me, exalting our faults as virtues simply because they're who we are. I believe in self-acceptance, but I also believe in always striving to be better. Absolutely. And I really, you know, even though I knew this until you explained it, you know, I've been thinking a little bit more about it during our conversation. But when you were talking about the perception, it's sort of like a lot of us um, just put the onus on other people. And why don't you like me? And why this and why that we never think, well, take an inventory of what you're putting out there, you know, I never really thought of it that way until you mentioned it. So I appreciate that. And rather than having them change how they feel about you are you okay with how you are you know what is it that you want to change because ultimately at the end of the day um yes we want to be liked but what if you know you're a great person and you like yourself and you're doing you're making um choices that um work for you and and you're happy with the way that you are it's okay if people don't like you um, you know, people often say, I'd rather be respected than liked. And I always say those two things are not mutually exclusive. It's not an either or choice. You can both. And, you know, the, the power of connection goes beyond just it feels good. Um, people will see you as um, more credible. They will see you as more trustworthy. They will see you as more innovative. Um, you know, you will be listened to. Uh, you are um, more likely to, people do business with people they like, right? You're more likely to get the job. You're more likely to get the promotion. Um, when you think about engagement on the job, your productivity will increase by 50% when you have close work relationships. It's actually like one of the questions in the Gallup survey. Oh yeah, one of the questions around um, engagement that Gallup puts out, they only put out 12 questions to measure employee engagement. And one of the questions is, do you have a best friend at work? Because it's so important to your productivity and it actually predicts your happiness on the job. Yeah, it's just, the, I don't know. I, I enjoyed everything that you said, but the perception thing just was so simple to me. And I could just, I'm like, yeah, you know, you know how sometimes even in a relationship, we're trying to change, you know, our spouse and what they're, you know, it's like, well, no, you, the only thing you can do is change yourself if you want, if you want to. You know, yeah. you may not necessarily want to, but sometimes we do have to flex using your word, you know, and, and just um, adjust ourselves a little bit. Well, the first mindset of a connector is to be open and accepting. And that is, you know, not just open and accepting of others, but open and accepting of ourselves. And um, that exercise that I described, it's called Your Three Words. And um, when you put the link to the free gift pack, it's in the free gift pack.
<laughs> so I'm going to put you on the spot. Can you give me a word for me? I mean, I know we just met, but. Inquisitive. Oh, I like that. And I, I would not thought of that one. So thank you. <laughs> I have to give it some thought. I appreciate it. I just thought I need to ask her what's my word. Um, you know, in, in listening to you, the, the first thing that came into my mind was um, there's like this processing, this analysis that is going on. I'm watching your face as you're asking the questions and you're taking that information in um, and, and forming the question around it. So um, there's an analytical piece, but the first thing that came to my mind was inquisitive. Oh, thank you. I like the sound of that. I'm going to use it. <laughs> <laughs> you can you can play with that when you do your three words. <laughs> yes. Yes, I'm definitely going to try that. So, I, you know, I just wanted to um, say that I've learned so much from you today. And honestly, is there anything that we didn't talk about that you want to finish off with? Well, I will just tell everybody uh, two things. One, anybody can be a connector, right? These are not ways that you're born into. These, that's why I wrote the book, The Connector's Advantage, because anybody can adopt these mindsets and attributes and behaviors um, and get that advantage. Right, so it is, it is reachable for all. And the second thing is um, connect with me because I'm a connector. Um, so I know you'll put all my links in the show notes and the best place to find me is really my website, which is Michelle, M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E, Tillis, T-I-L-L-I-S, Letterman, L-E-D-E-R-M-A-N.com. And from there you get all the YouTube channels and the blog and the, the free gift pack is right there. Uh, you know, all the good stuff. It's the best way to find me. And I look forward to connecting with all of you. Thank you so much. It was an honor to have you today and thank you for teaching us. And I know that the audience has uh, taken value away and have learned a few things today. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. If you enjoyed what you heard, please subscribe or leave a review. See you next week on the Giving Starts With You podcast.